turn with me now to the gospel, um, um, to the place in uh, the midst of Matthew's witness where um, um, Jesus is at a turning point. He's beginning to show his disciples what lies ahead for him and for them. Um, If you're able to stand uh, to hear the gospel, please do so now. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this must never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Then Jesus told his disciples, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? Or what will they give in return for their life? For the Son of Man is to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay everyone for what has been done. Truly I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. We have been watching over the past few weeks um, how God's call to faith and God's call to discipleship has been unfolding in the life of the Donovan family. Um, if you've uh, if you've not been able to see these uh, these video clips uh, here in worship, perhaps you've. You've had a chance to see them in the, your Sunday school classes or your, your small groups that meet during the week. But we've been watching how this, this awakening sense of, of calling and this awakening sense of discipleship has been, has been at work in this man and in this family. And, uh, we've also been, been seeing how at the same time, one awakens to the call of God in your life, it also has the potential of putting you in conflict. Putting you in conflict with, well, with yourself and those you love, but also with your friends and your neighbors. And we're going to see just a bit more of that today, how, how people don't always understand some of the unexpected things that we do when we are disciples of Jesus some of the some of the unexpected things that Jesus calls us to be attentive to so um um uh, over the next few minutes we are we are at um i believe uh part 4 of a five part series so we have one more week left after today but today we see part 4 of the video series uh loving generously Places, people, places. T minus 24 hours. This wedding may be hasty, but it's not going to be sloppy. Right? 
you're going to step right over here. Sounds so beautiful. <laughs> Excuse me. Frank, Cassie, can I have a word, please? We tried knocking. Sorry about that. Getting ready for this wedding has been crazy. We're all running around. <laughs> so, what can we do for you? Wedding? Yeah, for some friends of ours. Uh, they were at the banquet a few weeks ago. I think it was the one that you left early from. Frank, let me cut to the chase. We've received a number of complaints at the Homeowners Association about the yard sale last week. Complaints? From whom? That's not important. What is important is that we have a responsibility to ensure a reasonable expectation of security in our community. We live in a gated community. It's gated for a reason. I'm sorry, but was there something unsafe about a yard sale? The financial investment that you guys have made down at the soup kitchen is wonderful. And we're all for helping those folks down there find work. We just don't know if it was a good idea to hire them to work at your yard sale. I mean, did you do any background checks? They're not our employees, Mark. They're our friends. We're just all concerned for you. That's all. Um, listen, were you and Eddie arrested last week for solicitation? <clears throat> so are my parents in some kind of trouble with the neighborhood? I don't know. I know there was kind of a big stink about those people at the yard sale. What people? The homeless people. They're not homeless. They're really nice, actually. Well, whoever they are, my parents were all, the Donovans are acting weird lately. We don't want you going over there without asking us. That's stupid. Is it? I mean, doesn't it freak you out just a little? you got this girl living with you who people are saying used to be a professional. And you've got all these homeless people or whatever coming to your house. It's kind of weird. For now, this is just an informal warning. But if you insist on continuing to put our community at risk, we'll be forced to consider probationary status. Probationary status? Mark and Marianne, you're on board with this? We've been friends since our kids were in diapers. <laughs> Frank... None of us expects it to come to that. We just want things the way they were. And then everything will be fine. And by the way, an event of this size has to be approved by the HOA at least a month in advance. We have to confer over things like security, parking, street access. You come to our Christmas party every year. We host five times as many people as will be at this wedding. And you've never once told us that we need to discuss this with the HOA. I'm sure you won't have trouble finding some place to move it. Otherwise, we're going to have to call the police. Thomas, is something wrong? Oh, look at you! Breathtaking. <laughs> Thank you. Thomas, you look so beautiful. Can you describe her for me? Thomas, it is bad luck for the groom to see the bride in her gown before the wedding. <laughs> is everything okay? Yeah. It's just... Could you give us a second, Dolores? Okay. What's wrong? 
I thought it was going to look beautiful. Yeah. Oh, man, I'm this caterer to a friend of ours. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Excuse me. Can I have everyone's attention? I never knew you could grow so close to people so quickly. We want to thank you all. We are so extremely grateful for everyone around this table. And I can think of nothing better than to share our wedding with you. But we've decided we should postpone the wedding. What? Postpone? What? What? What's going on? Cassie and Frank... Megan and Evan, you have all invited us into your homes and into your lives, and we can't ask you to sacrifice your friendships as well. Thomas overheard your conversation with the Homeowners Association. We think it's wonderful that you still want to do this for us anyway, but we can't ask you to do that. It's not fair to you. We can wait a little while anyway. We've enjoyed a pretty good standing in this community for as long as we've been here. And we're thankful for that. But not at the expense of living the way that God has called us to live. When he says that the world will hate us because he has chosen us out of the world, I really don't get that. And I don't want to be hated by anyone. Especially friends like Mark, Marianne, but if they hate us because we share our lives with you clowns <laughs> well I'm alright with that we got you a gift oh, you did not need to get us anything we didn't Exactly. <laughs> what is it? It's a 12A. A 12 what? Um, it's for the door of the guest house. When we offered you that space, we thought you'd be with us longer. And although we're happy that you have a good reason for moving out, we'll miss you. So as a family, we decided to keep that space available for anyone that might need it in the future. And in your memory, we have decided to christen it Unit 1, 2, one to another. Be devoted one to another in love. Outdo one another in showing honor. <laughs> we thought that uh, we'd make it sort of our unofficial motto. It's perfect. <laughs> How about a toast then? 
Thomas and Julia into outdoing one another and showing honor. Cheers. Cheers. If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake will find it. I thought I wanted to say a word to you today about um, one of the struggles that, just one of them, <laughs> one of the struggles that I've been experiencing um, as, as I do my work here at First Church day by day and week by week. It's something that I struggle to understand, and and the older I get, the less it makes sense to me. And it's it's a focus of of struggle for me, as I said, as I as I work um, day by day. Where did we get the idea that being Christian is all about us, all about our comfort? And our dreams and our goals and our life, even our salvation. Where did we get that idea that it's all about us? I I look around me and and more often than not, that's what I see. and, And that's what I get caught up in doing. We are working harder and harder in the church week after week to make being part of the community of faith convenient for folks. We, we work really hard to make it fun, to make it enjoyable. There was a, there was a news story this week, um, on, on one of the, uh, one of the channels about a, an Australian church that has, that has found a place in New York City and it packs out a big auditorium six or so, six or seven times every Sunday for worship. And from the discussion, I gathered that it, it is, it's, it's mostly, um, it's mostly music, the service is, and, and it's about having it the way that the people want it to be. Convenient, enjoyable, exciting. And as I, I listen to that story, and, and as I said, as I do my work day by day and week by week, I, I hear about that. It needs to be enjoyable and fun and, and, and something that, that people really want to do and, and find something of value in to, to get them to be a part of the church, a part of the community of faith. And when I hear stories like that, when I think about things like that and I work on them and I see them, I usually don't hear mention of things like service. And sacrifice and discipline and accountability and, and one of the Bible's primary themes, judgment. We were talking this week about a, um, a recent seminar where, where the leader said that, that, um, folks these days don't know until they get up on Sunday morning whether they'll be going to worship or not this week. Maybe I just don't feel like it or, or something else comes up that I'd rather do, or or having a nice leisurely breakfast by the fire is just too enticing. Where did we get the idea that that being Christian is all about us? 
It's about our comfort and our dreams and our goals and our life and even our salvation. Bishop Kenneth Carter, um, now retired, says, uh, uh, without a memory of what the church is called to be, the church becomes what people want it to be. The self-defined needs and wishes of people become more influential than God's mission in the world. Where did we get this idea? That being disciples of Jesus is about making us comfortable and making us happy and fulfilling our dreams and our goals and our life. Jesus didn't talk about discipleship that way. He didn't talk about his people or his church that way. In fact, Jesus didn't talk too much about believing in him. You know, he said a few things, but not really much about believing in him. He talked more about following him. If you want to become my followers, he said, then deny yourselves, take up your cross and follow me. And furthermore, if you want to, if you want to focus your work and your attention on, on saving your life and making your life comfortable and making things convenient, then you're going to lose it all. But if you're willing to give up your own Comforts and some of your own needs and maybe even some of your own goals and wishes. If you're willing to give your life, then you will find it. In the film that we just saw, the, the Donovan family is, is working to be the people and to do the things that God is calling them to do. They are extending themselves to others, making new friends, helping others in ways that make their, their neighbors uncomfortable. And those neighbors even reach the point of threatening them in order to restore things to the comfortable way that they were. And there's, there's a part of me that thinks, oh, isn't it too bad that folks are reacting that way? And I wonder if there's a way to restore harmony to those relationships. But then my mind goes to Jesus' interaction with Peter, who wanted to hold on to the status quo, who wanted to keep things painless and keep things comfortable. And Jesus responded sharply to him, get behind me, Satan. You are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Long time ago, I had a teacher who counseled us that that. And I remember exactly how he said it. He said, the most important question we face in the church, the most important question we face is not, am I saved? The most important question is, how can God use me to save someone else? In the process of of working cooperatively with God to achieve God's dreams, my salvation is given to me. In the process of working cooperatively with God to achieve God's dreams, my salvation is given to me. In the same way, the most important question we face is not, what are the right things for me to believe? But rather, what must I do to follow Jesus? In the daily tasks of following him, serving and loving Jesus, the right things for me to believe come clear. When we are diligently and purposefully following Jesus, there will be difficulties and challenges and misunderstandings and resistance. That's what Jesus himself seems to indicate, and that's certainly what Jesus himself experienced. How then then did we get to the place 
where we think that, that being part of the community of faith, being part of the church, is about fulfilling our needs and being comfortable and being inspired and being fulfilled. Jesus seemed to indicate that, that the opposite is the case. There will always be discomfort and need and hard, sometimes frustrating work. I find myself thinking often about a powerful scene from the movie Schindler's List. I, I know I've called it to your attention before, but, but I'd like to mention it again. You, you know how that, that movie progresses. Oscar Schindler is a Czech businessman who, who builds a factory in Poland during the time of the Nazi occupation. And he uses Jewish labor in his munitions plant because in those tragic days of World War II, Jewish labor was cheap. But as, as time progressed, Oscar Schindler learned what was happening to Jewish people under Adolf Hitler and his motivations turned from profit to sympathy. And, and he used his factory as a refuge for Jewish people to protect them from the Nazis. And as a result of his efforts, more than 1,100 Jewish men and women were saved from the gas chambers. And you would think that Oscar Schindler would have felt quite pleased with himself. But at the end of the war, there's, and this is, this is the scene in the movie that, that, that I can never get out of my mind. At the end of the war, Schindler is standing in, in the midst of some of the men and women that he had saved. And, and as he stands there with them, he breaks down into tears. He, he takes off the gold ring on his finger and he says, my God, I could have bought back two more people with this ring. And these shoes, one more person. And my coat, two more people. Those cufflinks, three more people. There he stands, not gloating, but weeping with regret that he had not done more. That he had not given more of his life to make it possible for others to live. Perhaps, sisters and brothers... That's the judgment that you and I will face too. Instead of focusing on what we want, and, and instead of focusing on, on our comforts and our self-identified needs, perhaps we will wish that we had spent more time and more energy following Jesus, allowing him to lead us, allowing Jesus to identify what is important and necessary. Instead of worrying about what friends and neighbors think or what might feel good to us, we might have wanted to worry more about what Jesus himself thinks and what he wants for us and for his world. Amen.